Hey guys, welcome into the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack, he's Frank. As always, we are going to be talking a little Bears football. Uh, not, you know, not a ton, but, you know, there's some interesting things happening. Frank, we're, we're dying. You know, the, the, dra- the draft is coming up and we're just like, can we just get to the 27th for the love of God so we can, you know, have some Bears football to talk about. But uh, we, we got we got a little to talk about, speaking of the draft. Um Let's uh let's start with the somewhat news ish coming out of uh, Pittsburgh. Believe it or not, uh, it sounds like the Pittsburgh Steelers are actually uh, interested in talking with the Bears about potentially trading up to that number nine spot. Um, that's according to uh, to SI SportsIllustrated.com. So uh, if you're curious about where that's coming from, it's also coming from Blitzberg on Twitter. Frankie, the Steelers currently sit at 17, and oh by the way. They also have that number 32 pick that you and I had been talking about in regards to Chase Claypool that I'm sure a lot of Bears fans remember as well. What do you think about trading down from the top 10 all the way down to past 15 and landing at 17, potentially? I'm not opposed to it whatsoever, Um, especially if you're talking about regain, you know, potentially getting another 24 first, because again, you know, I know people are really excited, even if they kept the number one pick, but Will Anderson's there and Jalen Carter's there. And what if they want to get another quarterback? And that excitement of like sort of having your pick of whoever the hell, you know, you want or whoever you think is best. Um, but this team is has so many holes still. And, you know, that's sort of the exercise that we're putting together in these next couple of episodes is like grading the depth chart and everything. And I think with that, people will see how many holes that this team actually has, like if we stay at nine, I would love for them to take an offensive tackle there. But is that offensive tackle going to catapult this team to a playoff team? Highly doubtful. You know, there's still a lot of depth to be had. There's still, you know, offensive playmakers that this team needs. And even, I mean, defense needs still a little bit of everything outside of maybe corner, but they probably still need one more of those as well. Um, So the more that you can recoup and then hopefully hit in this draft, and then you're talking about 20, the 24 draft, like that, that off season comes around. Now you're talking about making a play for, you know, a Tyreek Hill type of trade. Cause you have two or three first, you're talking about an AJ Brown type of trade that really catapults your team, you know, but that doesn't happen without another trade back. That doesn't happen without this draft still hitting. So we're a long ways away, but a long winded way of saying, Jack, I'm not opposed to it at all. Cause there's still very, very good players that'll be available in the teens into the twenties that are going to help this team because they don't necessarily need. Now this is going to sound crazy. I know they don't need everything to be a blue chip prospect. They need just starters right now too. Like the, the more blue tip blue chip players, the better, obviously. But if we can just get a starter saying, and you know, when it, if we trade back to 17 with the Steelers and they get a, a starter that can start for eight years, sir, like beyond serviceable, maybe not like all pro, but pro bowl ish level. That's huge. You know, like those are the stepping stones to really build this team. And there's a lot that should be there in that range. Do you feel any differently? Not at all, really. I'm kind of trying to figure out exactly who the Steelers would really be targeting. Because outside of like the quarterbacks, I haven't really seen many players that are like guys that teams have to trade up for. Like we've seen that a little in the past. You think about okay, well, maybe it's Will Levis, but they just spent a first-round pick on Kenny Pickett last year, so not going to be a quarterback. You think about maybe, oh, maybe Bijan Rob, but they have Najee Harris already. Like, the the guys that are going to be around available in that 9 to 10, 11 range are all guys that I'm kind of curious as to who the Steelers would really want. Um, Potentially Jalen Carter. Maybe that's what they're really trading up for. We taught, listen... We talked about trading the number one pick when Ryan Poles did that. He played it savvy. I know I can get a 25 first. I know I can do. He he's he seems to be playing this shit extremely well, dude. I yeah. mean, to to a point where I now think that report that came out that said, hey, if Jalen's there, the Bears are going to take him. That's lighting the fire in some asses because there were some teens in the in the teens or maybe, you know, 10, 11, 12. They were like, well, we were really hoping that Jalen would uh would make it down to us. And then Ryan Poles is just sort of putting feelers out there, you know, and I, I want to pose this to you, Jack, like 
when is the last time there's been this many, like this much buzz, this many bears are in the headlines. Granted, I know that they had the number one pick and they just traded back, but even so they had the number three pick and traded up to get Mitch. And there was zero, there was nothing in the headlines. They were talking about the bears taking Solomon Thomas that year yep. or Jamal Adams that year, who I, I wanted actually, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I feel like Ryan Poles has this level of savviness that we have not had before in this city outside of Theo Epstein, right? Like, is there another exec or GM that's had that level of just playing things well? It's really interesting to me because one of the things that Ryan Poles talked about when he initially got the job was he really talked about making the Bears relevant again, not just good, not just competitive. That's That should be an obvious. But he really talked about wanting to bring respect back to this franchise and, and really make them relevant. I think he's really done that throughout this entire offseason so far. Again, you know, you can talk about his draft picks last year, his free agent signings last year, his free agent signings so far this year, his lack of signings this year. But, like, there's still he, there's still things he needs to, to get done. But I just I feel confidence for the first time in a very long time that Ryan Poles knows what he's doing and he's not just sacrificing everything to to because he's falling in love with guys. And and that's really what we've talked about. God damn, Frank, when this used to be the corked up podcast, you know, we were talking Cubs and, and Sox and Bull, like talked about I think every single team, basically just Chicago in general, just falling in love with certain players and not being able to move on from them. And and Ryan Poles so far has not fallen into that trap he's he's willing to trade back he's willing to say yes Jalen Carter is a is a blue chip prospect but you know what look at this roster top to bottom we need a little bit of everything and that's on the offensive side the defensive side as well there's just a lot of holes there's some players that you and I both like on this roster there's no doubt about that but there's definitely you want to be realistic about where they're at in terms of depth. And you know what, Frank, if they feel like they have good starters and maybe you're right, maybe they don't need blue chip prospects, even though I disagree with that. I still think they need to find a superstar, at least another position than quarterback. But if you feel like you have a good amount of starters, then yeah, trade back, start collecting those picks and just keep doing it. That's what successful franchises do so that in the future, in the 24 first round, if the Bears, let's say, let's say the Steelers say, okay, we'll give you the 17th overall pick. We're going to keep the 32nd pick. We'll give you a third round pick and a 24 first. I would do that in a heartbeat because then next, guess what? You have three first round picks next year and you can trade up if needed to get whoever you want in the first yep. round. And that was, that was sort of my point was like, of course, everyone wants those franchise altering prospects to come to fruition, but you've already made the concession and you being Ryan Poles that you're going to give up the surefire blue chip prospect and probably Will Anderson. If you stood at number one, potentially Jalen Carter, if the off the field stuff wasn't there, those are the two guys to recoup more, to get uh, a potential wide receiver one to help your um, to help your, your ascending quarterback, right? Like you, there's certain concessions you have to make when you have this many holes of like, maybe we're going to pass up on a couple of blue chip guys to fill, to, to get starters right now. And then look for blue chip in the future with three first rounders or trade a couple of those first rounders to get a, for sure, you know, developed star already in this league. Um, and that's just the situation that it's in the, the bears are in that situation that they sort of have to concede because again, Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, they're blue chip. Those guys come in, but are do they they only fill one hole? And they there's a lot of holes that the Bears have right now. Jalen, yeah. uh, Will Anderson could fill a couple of my holes, Jackie. He he could he could front and center. <laughs> uh, but uh, listen, you know I I think as much as Bears fans are are kind of toying with the idea that Jalen Carter does end up falling to nine, and granted nothing is going to happen, but we've talked about this many times. If the right de- if the de- if if the right deal is there, you and I are all for another trade back because we feel comfortable that it, the offensive line, while there are some really good prospects, there doesn't seem to be as much of a drop off as you typically expect. One of the things I think is really going to help the Bears, honestly, Frank, is 
the the wide receiver class, it seems like one of those classes that's not going to be super top heavy. So they're going to fall a little bit more. And and granted, I still think the Bears do need some additional help at the wide receiver spot, but they could fill those needs in the second round if needed. I'm not I, I I'm agreeing with you. I think they should go offensive line. So I think there might be an opportunity where there is more options there. And and one of those options uh, was actually just mocked to the Bears earlier today by Mel Kuyper, which, Frank, a whole other conversation we're going to have to have down the road is, is paid subscriptions for mock drafts. And I'm talking specifically about ESPN+. Plus. It's absurd. I mean, what, what, what are you doing? A, a yeah. mock draft that lasts, what, a week? And then you move on to the next one? And then it's, I mean, it's like mock draft, mock draft version 9.2.4 with two trade downs instead of four. It's, it's absurd. And they're free everywhere else. You can get them on Bleacher Report. You can get them on fucking every individual team's, you know, fandom website. Like, can we stop already? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was the conversation right there. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) Mel Kuyper mock draft uh, to Tennessee offensive tackle Darnell Wright uh, to the Bears at the number nine spot. Um, Darnell Wright decided to uh, make some make some headlines himself. Uh, by uh, calling out reporters who he was not exactly feeling like were being fair to him and sort of his prospectability. And, uh, you know, I, I, Frank and I have a little differing opinion on that because, you know, you sent it to me and you said, I'm out. I'm out on Darnell Wright. Um, why, Frank, do you not, I, do you want me to quote what he said or do you want to quote what he said? You can quote. You can quote it. You can quote All it. All right. Uh, Willie Lutz, don't know who that is. He he uh, sent him forwarded, Darnell Wright forwarded that tweet from Willie Lutz to Willie Lutz. It said, Darnell Wright is a pure right tackle and has no business playing left tackle. Darnell DM'd him saying, you are a pure, quote unquote, dick eater. What year did you play to save anybody? To What year did you play to say anybody has any business doing anything? Basically saying, who are you to talk about what I can and can't do? Frank, you immediately messaged me and said you're out on, on Darnell Wright. Why? So this is going to sound really weird because I don't want to sound like old man, get off my lawn, because that's really not the angle that I have with this. That The mindset itself, love it. The presentation of that, the the actually going after the tweeting, it, it, it gives me, it gives me like, the KD, I care way too much about what people are tweeting about type of thing, where you're like going to sit up and allow that to consume you. Again, like, see things, sure. Be on Twitter, absorb it how you will, and use it as your motivation. I'm all for that. I'm all for the pettiness even in like a post-game interview. I'm all for the pettiness of like the Michael B. Jordan thing of like, oh, you're interview- didn't you just call me lame a couple weeks ago? I- I'm the dorky kid from from uh, from high school, right? That was what you said, like, it do it. You know what I mean? There's like a way to do that to show like, hey, what you said that caught my radar and I fucking use that as motivation. And now I'm the best tackle in the fucking league. Right. Like there's a way to go about it. But to like be in people's DMs and like who like because again and, and, and this part, this is like speculation. But like, would it be a far stretch to say someone who's doing that on their actual account has burner accounts that's arguing with fan bases that's arguing with and it's like, come on, dude, it's just not the way to go about it. That said, he did send an apology. It felt more genuine. It didn't feel like PR-ish. It felt like genuinely him. So maybe I'm not completely out, but I I, I was very reactionary from it because he was my guy. Like, if we traded down into the teens, I wanted Darnell Wright. It was either him or Broderick Jones. I probably, I think I'm leaning, well, they were both similar prospects from what I've read about them. I, I'm not going to sit there and act like I know how to decipher an O-line play, but from what I've read, I think those two fit the bill pretty well of what uh, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are looking for. Um, I don't know. It's it like I do feel like it can come across as like get off my lawn type of thing because he's a young kid. He's grew up with Twitter, so that type of reaction maybe to that demographic isn't or that like age group I should say isn't um off the wall. But again, to me, I'm seeing like I'm also seeing like Kevin Durant isn't that much older. Like he's a little older than us, I think, and he's still that. Like I think people are just wired that way where they care so much and it consumes yeah. them. Where it's like they have they're they're worried about every little headline and every little thing that's said about them. That's a bad sign to me. And now there's no proof that it's ever happened again. Maybe he was just having a bad day, saw that on his timeline, and he just sort of, you know, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. There's always that to it. But, like, that was a huge, for the lack of a better word, like, turnoff for me in terms of a prospect. I'd still marry him, but, you know. <laughs> no, I, 
I understand what you're saying. Uh, I, I look at it in a different light where, number one, you know, I, I, I'm sure the finances on, on, on one level definitely played into it where it's like for on, on two levels, honestly, because you look at it where, you know, left tackles obviously get drafted a little bit higher, right? A little bit more of a of a pri- of a, a positional need, um, a little bit more, um, you know, kind of just their their premium left tackle premium. Yep. And, you know, we kind of saw it a little bit this offseason with Orlando Brown Jr., who didn't maybe took less money to play left tackle because he feels like that eventually he'll get another contract and he'll be able to get a little bit more money. Um, Right tackle premium, you know, draft wise, he may go a little bit higher in the draft if some teams look at him as left tackle. So maybe that's part of it. You know, maybe he's basically just like, hey, stop fucking around the the only question i have is like who 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 is willie lutz and like why did he feel the need to really like he has 16.3 thousand followers so you know pretty sizable but he's it's it's not like he's like mel kuyper or anything like that like i i don't know like it's just it's kind of a weird guy to, to kind of go after and, and, and really feel like it looks like just kind of looking at his Twitter, he's more like Bengals focused. Maybe he just really wants to play for the Bengals, right? Maybe he just wants to play Bengals at right tackle. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, maybe. I'm not very familiar with Will Lutz. Um, and, and to be honest, like it really doesn't even matter to me if it was a prominent person. Now, if this someone, if this person was going after him personally, that's a totally different story to sure. me. But like, there's so many. I mean, we're just uh, two other guys on the fucking internet with an opinion. You know what I mean? Like, everyone has one, man. Like, for you to 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 do to go to that level, and and again, like, if you wanted to play the Twitter game, it's not even about like, oh, like, don't do it over Twitter. You know, some quote retweeted and put a little note emoji. You know what I mean? Like, you you could play this game and be a little petty and be that without like that. That there, there's a for me a fine line of like immaturity and doing it the way he do it. He, he did it. And like being savvy on on social media, because we've seen pro athletes like Dame Lillard to me is super savvy on social media versus like the way KD does it. It like it just comes across as like corny a lot of the times. You know what I mean? Now, KD's going to be in my fucking inbox lighting me up uh, <laughs> if he ever gets a hold of this one. But uh, you know and what I'm saying? Fine. Like it's it's not I, even I it's not even the I platform. It, it's the way that you did it. I, I, I agree with that sentiment. However, there is always a place in my heart for. I got for for people who believe in themselves that much to basically say I can play any position. You know, I I I think I can play any position and you're you're wrong. Now granted, he maybe didn't say it the best way by calling him a dick eater. <laughs> and I, it, it made not for nothing, it made me laugh. It's not like yeah. I was like, "Oh, this guy's a piece of shit." It was funny cuz I don't know if I would like if I was in that position, I don't know if I would react any differently with that much critique coming at you. You know it wasn't I mean? like I'm gonna kill your family or, right. or anything like that, or you know, go die in a river or something like that. Getting called the dick eater is <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny, but like you can't be doing that a couple weeks before the draft. Right? Like y- yeah, I I, I I get what you're saying, but there is also a part of me that's like I can I like especially offensive linemen or defensive linemen, guys kind of with an edge to them to bring a chip on their shoulder. But yeah, maybe not the best way to handle that situation. I'm sure a lot of teams probably look at it the same way as you and and probably say, scratch them out. Yeah. But there might be some teams who look at that and say, I like that the kid stands up for himself. Yeah. No, again, because the mindset isn't the issue for me. It it was just the way he went about because I think I like, you know. The uh, the Caitlin Clark and, and, and Angel Reese situation, that type of trash talk, I love that. You know what I mean? In yeah. the middle of the heat of the battle. If he were to do that, like, let's just say Will Lutz, I don't know, the Bears and Bengals are playing. Will Lutz on the sideline and fucking, and he just gets a pancake block and he just looks at him. He's like, yeah, bitch, I remember you said, you know what I mean? Like, I'm all with it then. Or even right. like, you think like Bart Scott after beating the Patriots and he's like, hey, Keyshawn, you were supposed to have our back. They can't stop a nosebleed like that. Right. I, I love it. You know what I mean? Right. Like there's a certain way and like time to go about it. And just like you said, like two weeks before the draft, man, like that, I, I to be honest with you, you may be right. Maybe some teams are looking at it. Like I love that attitude, but like, I, I feel like you could, that can only hurt your draft stock in this situation. I don't disagree versus, with that. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I just, again, just calling someone a, a, a dick eater is. But, like, you know, I, I think there's also an element to it, and, we and you know, DMing it, you know, like... Well, if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna say that if you're gonna do that, I think that has yeah. to be a DM. If that's out in public, but, that's wild. But but you know that it's gonna become public. Yeah. Did did Will Lutz screenshot? I'm assuming he had yeah. to, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And he and he said and he probably posted it on his Twitter. It was like like that's free content for him. He's like, hey it guys, is... look at this. I'm getting called a fucking called a fucking. But uh, then I mean, how much though? I don't know much about Will Lutz though. And I feel like I'm playing both sides and I don't want to right now. But I do think it's a tad bit different of a conversation. I get it. Clicks matter. Likes, retweets. Sure. Will Lutz probably has a website somewhere that he gets paid for. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds like he has a pretty big following. But at what point do you say, like, let me have a real conversation with this young man instead of ruining his draft stock? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if, if you genuinely think he made a mistake and we can talk about this, I will. Like, you immediately go. Again, like, that's just it adds to the corniness that can happen in social media. You immediately screenshot it and put it out. Right. For the content of it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Break there's up. a reason we only have 100 subscribers right now because we don't do that type of shit, right? Like, that, that sensationalized type of thing gets you the views and the clicks and everything. I don't know. I it, The whole thing, it, it, it's annoying. Frank, I'm, I'm getting real upset right now and, and as, as we're talking uh, live because Patrick Mahomes, 18 minutes ago, Uh-oh. just tweeted out uh-huh. a little dart, a little dart throw yep. video of him throwing a, a nice little pass. Okay. To Amir right. Smith Marset. Remember Wait, this why? clown? Because he's on the Chiefs now, apparently. Oh, huh. Interesting. Yeah. No, I do remember him. He's the reason that they lost to the Vikings. I guess actually we should probably be happy that he did that now that I think about it. But Yeah, but that's I mean, that's the same conversation that you get into. Like the Bears didn't become that bad until they uh, that losing streak and the injuries piled on. Like yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same conversation about the trade, uh, the Chase Claypool thing. They didn't trade that pick thinking it was the thirty-second pick. They, they, that offense was starting to ascend, and they wanted to get Justin help. You know what I mean? So it's like, Frank, speaking of of uh, Chase Claypool and uh, the offensive line needs, and uh, you know, Amir Smith Marset and and depth chart, depth on this team in general. I think now is the perfect transition to move towards. Grading the Bears offense, the position going position by position on the Bears yep. offense. And you know what? Maybe we'll save the defense for next week. Um, there was a little small piece of news that we didn't mention that we probably should just to, you know, we've talked about all other other moves they've made. Uh, the Bears did sign Rasheem Green uh, from the Houston Texans to play defensive end for them. So uh, another addition to the uh, to the defensive line. They're starting to get some depth there. Um not a not a crazy move, but it's, I I confused him with Kashim Green. You know, remember him from 2012, yep. 2013, yep, that was the same. That was. that was the uh, who was the the middle linebacker that they drafted um, from Louisville? Oh, um, not Louisville, uh, Florida, Florida. And he had that big hit on uh, Bridgewater, who was at Louisville. And we were like, uh, uh, Bo- Bostick. Bostick, John Bostick, John Bostick, John Bostick. Right. Um, I will say about that. It, it, to me, it's very clear that they understand that the run defense was really bad last year. They're getting run stuffers, man. Yeah. Green, Demarcus Walker, Andrew Billings. You're ta- I, I, I have a Jonathan Wood tweet pulled up. Green is 275. Walker is 280. Billings is 311. Look, look. Then not only is that an investment on the run defense, that's an investment on those off-ball linebackers they just spent money on because they need someone to plug those holes for them to hit them. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 not nothing. Like I said, nothing. Not a crazy, you know, crazy signing or anything that will completely change the dynamics of the team. But you know, it, it's clear that they want some depth on that on that defensive line. Like you said, it's clear they want some bigger, bigger bodies as well. Um, but Frank, let's uh, let's let's talk about the offense a little bit. Um, and I think we can start with the easiest position. I think mm-hmm. we just start with our quarterback, and 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 we're a quarterback group, I should say. We're going to grade them however we see fit. Frank and I have not talked about grades, so we'll see if we're a little bit different here. But uh, Frank, I'll, I'll let you go first in the in terms of quarterback. What, what, would, what grade would you give the quarterback position where it stands right now? So let's make no mistake. This is all about the starter. We talked about PJ Walker and how much we like that, you know, similar skill set to Justin. So if Justin, you know, knock on wood were to get hurt, 
he can step in for a couple of games and, 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 you know, the offense didn't have to change very much at all. If, if at all, um, I'm a big fan of having a third quarterback that really is meant to just hold a clipboard. I think there's always value in that. Um, so Peterman being there, hopefully we never have to see him on the actual field, just inactive on Sundays, but just another, you know, another guy to help Justin develop. So you get to Justin Fields, um, potential oozing out of the ears, right? So if, you, if, if I was basing it just off potential, it'd be like an A, A plus. Cause I, I there, there's nothing again that I haven't seen, you know, he, he's continuously shown progress from areas that we've needed him or we've needed to see from him. But I think going into the year, I give him more specifically, but you know, the group as a whole as well, they're a solid B plus for me. Um, and that's with a little bit of projection, knowing that, or hoping that he takes another step forward, but that step forward still may not be like solidified superstar just, just yet. And that's okay. That, that I, I feel like as we get closer to the season, like, you know, we're starting to see actual quarterback development again, instead of everyone just expecting to have the next Patrick Mahomes on their hands. That's just amazing. Right off the rip, you know, Justin will take another step. Trevor Lawrence will probably take another step or two. And you're going to see like, it takes three or four to really know what you got. Um, so for me, the group as a whole, but obviously a super heightened em emphasis on Justin <clears throat> Fields is at a B right now. Yeah. I, I, I was kind of in between my grade and, and where you went, I ultimately went with an A minus, um, you know, I'm thinking like 90, 91, like right around there. Cause you're right. I don't want to set expectations too high for Justin Fields, but I it's, it, it'd be foolish to not admit that bears fans are already there with him. Um, I would say a majority, there's of course going to be the minority who are pissed that we didn't take Bryce young or, or CJ Stroud with the number one overall pick. Um, but I just think, where Justin's ceiling is, what we saw of him last year, I I like I really like PJ Walker as a backup in case something does happen. But again, if something does happen, I'm not expecting you know this team to really go anywhere. But you know, if if he comes in for a game or two, you know, to, to, to potentially keep the season alive, then I I really like PJ Walker in that in that role and his abilities that he's shown so far. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's an A minus, but I, I was kind of flirting with that, but to, you know that and a B plus as well, kind of kind of right where you're at. Um, moving on to the uh, running backs, and I'll go through the depth chart right now, and just so we make sure we have everybody who's listed currently. Um, and surprisingly, the depth chart I'm looking at right now does actually have Donta Foreman as the starting running back. Same. Um, and behind Khalil Herbert, uh, you got Travis Homer. Uh, Tristan Ebner, the sixth-round pick last year, and then, of course, the fullback, Kari Blossom game, who was re-signed as well. Um, Frank, I, I really don't think I can go any higher than just a solid B at this point, but I'm kind of leaning more towards, like, a B-. minus. Um, I don't... I, I know there are a lot of people, fantasy-wise as well, who are just all aboard the Khalil Herbert train. There were just too many times... You know, when he played, he played really well. There were just too many times he disappeared. And and really, and granted, is that the Bears' inability to use two running backs at the same time? Was it their inability to get them, you know, him and David Montgomery mixed in at the same time, you know, for Luke Getze? I don't know. But I do know that Khalil Herbert's biggest issue is pass protection. And I don't think Donta Foreman is all that good at it either, if I'm being honest with you. Um so I do think they're going to add at this position in the draft. Um, what that looks like, we'll see. But there's nothing special about this position right now. So I, I really can't go any higher than a B minus. I went I went C plus. So we're 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 on the same you know tracks here. Um, I agree with everything you said. I think what's really missing two two things. Khalil Herbert is a really good running back. He's a downhill runner. He hits the hole. His vision's very good. He doesn't have that explosiveness that, that you're looking for. I mean, you look around the league, Kenneth Walker, Saquon Barkley, these guys who in Brees Hall before he got hurt, like these dudes are explosive. Christian McCaffrey, he's probably in a league of his own at this point, but like that, like next level burst that you can turn, uh, uh, you know, you get to that second, third level. No one's catching you. They don't have that. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't have that level of explosive. I think Dante Foreman is more explosive than Khalil Herbert, but they're more similar 
than they are different. They're, they're a very right. similar type of running back. Outside of just explosiveness, though, Jack, neither of them can really catch the ball. Right. Like the one, the one thing that we did like about David Montgomery, even though I don't think Getsy or um, uh, Nagy. Nagy used this very much, was his pass catching ability. I think he's a much better uh, pass catcher than the way he was utilized. And now we have a group that really didn't have that at all. So I, I'm still surprised. I know Travis Homer is, he's the special teams guy. Ebner may just wind up being cut. I don't think he's very good as an NFL running back. Um, but I'm surprised they didn't get like a Jarek McKinnon type of player. You know what I mean? And it's not even like a small scat back thing, even though I think everyone who knows, you know, I, I like that role for an offense just for, for the versatility that it brings. But they just have no one out of the backfield that can catch the ball. So <clears throat> you're talking about like what they might do at running back in the draft. There's going to be really good guys in the third, fourth, fifth round. And even if they're not the greatest receiver, you can even use someone that just provides that extra level of speed out of there because the, the Bears just don't have that. So, but again, C plus isn't the worst thing in the world because it's like a C plus is like an A in the, and this isn't to deter anything, but like it's like an A in the, the mid 2000s. Like what, what what is different about Dante Foreman from like guys, some of the, not, not the elite guys. I'm not talking the Damian Tomlinson. Yeah. I'm just talking about like the, the, the running backs that, you know, like the H ring had a really good year with the bears. He wasn't like a lead at anything like running backs, just, you know, you can get them enough carries and they're so good at what they do that. Like you can squint and see both of these guys, if they can use them correctly, having like eight or 900 yards on the ground. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And like I said, I, I think it's interesting, you know, sort of the way that Ryan Poles has built this, this, this group right now. And it's mainly undrafted or, uh, on, you know, uh, unrestricted free agents. And then, a couple second round picks like uh, and you know Blasen game not to just discount him totally we saw the effect that he had in the in the run game as well um they do need to just pure I just want someone with like pure speed like I like that Khalil Herbert can break a tackle or two he's pretty good about that but you like think of that one one run he had last year where he's just like it it should have been a touchdown it reminded me so much of Matt Forte where, like, he'd break this crazy run, and then he'd get tackled at, like, the 20, and then they'd end up kicking a field goal because can't score a touchdown. Uh, I, I just – it would be nice if they could find a hidden gem, like, you know, a Rashad White. Like, you think about how good Rashad White was last year, or Damian Pierce. Granted, Damian Pierce is more like Dante Foreman or Khalil Herbert, that type of player. But, like, that's all you need from that position, really. So – I, I like this group. I don't love this group. And that's yep. that's kind of how I feel like they're probably gonna build. Like I people are, you know, talking about them getting B. John Robinson at number nine. Like relax. That's not gonna happen. I, I can promise you that. Um shifting over to the uh pass catchers, Frank. We'll we'll start with the wide receivers here. Um and we're gonna group the tight ends separately for this for this conversation. Um unlike normal where we kind of usually just kind of Group them together. Uh, you got your top three: DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, and Darnell Mooney, as we've talked about quite a bit. Uh, your depth includes Equinemius St. Brown, who is back, Valus Jones, Nasimba Webster again, uh, Doris <laughs> Fountain, and Joe Reed as your as your backup backups. Um, Frank, for now, I'm gonna go B. I'm gonna go B, and 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 simply because DJ Moore raises the floor. Yep for this group so, so much. Um, I have my own concerns about Darnell Mooney, um, you know, returning from an injury. We haven't seen him primarily play the slot. Does he have the speed and separation to be able to do that? We'll see. And then who knows what you're going to get from Chase Claypool based off of last year. So I think there's a lot of question marks. The depth is kind of gross to me at this yeah. point. It's again why I've talked about there that I, I'm all for them drafting another receiver in the in the second or third round. Um, you know I like uh, St. Brown for his his ability. You know his speed. Um, you think about some of the plays he made last year against the Packers, going over Jari Jari Alexander while he's talking smack. Um, that was pretty great. And then you know I thought Valus Jones actually played had some nice moments at the end of the year uh, to kind of redeem himself a little bit. But again. There, there just wasn't enough last year that showed me he can be a consistent player. So, but again, you have DJ Moore, wide receiver one. Clearly, I, I, I think B is a is a is an acceptable grade right now. 
Yeah, I went uh I went B plus there. Um I it's so weird to me. And I don't know if it's a correlation of what people think Justin is as a passer, but he put up better numbers than AJ Brown did when AJ Brown was a Tennessee Titan. And when he gets traded to the Eagles, it was, oh man, they finally got their guy. They finally got, you know, it wasn't ever like, oh, he was the only one there. He, he was the only one getting targets. He was just a wide receiver one for the Titans. And I'm not advocating and saying that DJ Moore is going to put up 1400 yards. He has the ability to, I think. Um, but it's, just, it's weird that like that for, from certain people just got shot. Like, oh, it's not, doesn't mean anything. It's not, you know, and he, he was just a wide receiver one for the Panthers. I'm looking at a, you know, uh, another bears podcast from, you know, they were very adamant about that. Um, and it's just silly to me because you, like, I don't want to dig into the whole, you know, both sides of that argument, but the, the other side of that argument is if you're, if you are a wide receiver one on that team, that, that means you were the only one to be stopped and defenses should have been game planning for you. Why couldn't they shut you down? If they only had the game plan for you, they weren't worried about Terrace Marshall. They weren't worried about, you know, whoever else was there, why couldn't they stop you then? That means you're really fucking good at football. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, it is what it is. Um, I'm just of the, uh, I'm of the belief that he was held back by his quarterbacks there. Not, you know, not that he was a product of getting 180 targets or, and I, I'm just making up a number. I don't know how many targets he had, but we've seen that happen before where guys who maybe aren't as good, just get peppered with 200 targets that year. And then, you know, they, they wind up having, 1200 yards, but that's never been the K like DJ is so explosive. Um, and the skill set that he brings your biggest point is why I got them at a B plus. Um, it's cause I think you have guys in the right roles. Now I think you have a legitimate wide receiver one in DJ Moore, and now you have wide receiver two slash threes in Mooney and, and, and Claypool. Why I couldn't give them an a is cause just like you said, that depth is gross. That, that depth, that depth is ugly. And, and I know um, EQ brings some good things. I think he's a professional wide receiver. There's there's always space for him in a wide receiver room as the you know the fourth fourth fifth guy. But Valus, I know he had a couple of nice plays towards the end of the year. I'm not sold on him to step up in four wide receiver sets, five wide receiver sets if they're running trips or whatever. But they they have to upgrade one of those, if not both of those. And and you know Webster can. Go to the XFL. No offense, Webster. Um, and the other guys that you named are, unless they're special teams guys, you know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, they, they can, they can be, they can be cut as well. They're, they're, they, they need another playmaker. And to be honest with you, I know we're getting to the tight ends. It wouldn't upset me if that playmaker was a tight end, to be honest, run, run a couple more two tight end sets or run, run one in the slot every now and then cause some mismatches. Maybe you get someone who's a little you know, too fast for linebackers and too big for corners. Cause Cole Komet, I don't think is that type of guy. He, he's more of a sit in the zone, make the right play, maybe some option routes type of thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie, Frank. I'm a little surprised they didn't bring back Dante Pettis um, for just like how much they really used him last year. Like you, when, even when you and I were like, why is this guy still on the team? Why is he still punt? Like all that stuff. They, they seem to really like him. So I'm a little surprised. And then I, I still, I'm not a, a, a fan, really, of how they, you know, just letting Nikhil Harry go. Granted, you know, maybe they do bring him back. But I thought the times they used him, he played pretty well. I just, I, I, I just do. don't really get that one at all. Maybe it was a practice thing. But in game, I thought, you know, when he was given opportunities, I thought he made some, some nice plays. So I mean, he was um, better than Pettis. Yeah, like if your if your five wide receivers are DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, EQ, and Velas, like I don't really feel all that great about that. The one positive for the Bears and this group specifically is one of the common themes for this draft class of wide receivers is skilled but small, which mm -hmm. AKA slot wide receiver. So they're gonna I, I assume they will go that route to, you know, get a good backup to Darnell Mooney in case he's not good in the slot or he doesn't come back, you know, well from the injury. Um, so I think maybe they'll prepare a little bit for that. Um, and then uh, moving to the tight ends, Frank, um, you know, Cole Komet, Robert Tunyon, Jake Tongs, and Chase Allen right now. Um, I'll let you go first this time. Give me your grade for the tight end group. I, I feel like I'm being a little bit harsh on them. 
because I like part of me feels like Cole Komet did take an okay step last year, but it's so hard for me for, to forget. And this is something that you kept saying at the end of last year too, just how slow he looked, just how like non-explosive that he looked. And he was like, he was the second target in that offense at that point, if not like the first in some games with the injuries. Um, and you talk about just like lack of explosion. The tight ends probably have the, you know, less explosive explosiveness than the running back group does. Cause at least Dante Foreman will break off a 60 yarder. You know what I mean? Like he, we've seen him do it. Um, I don't know if Cole, I, I know he caught a couple of those big pass, but he was like wide open downfield. It was a really good, you know, play action fake sell on some of those. When have we seen him or even like it, not, not even like explosiveness to like run past someone. You think of like George Kittle, you get the ball in his hands and he's looking to make contact. I know like Komet has been hard to take down, but it did, it's not the same. It's not that same level of like, this is the guy at tight end. Um, so I gave him, I gave him a C plus Jack. I, I, I like what they bring to the table, but then I look at someone like Kincaid. I look at uh, who, who was the other guy that we talked about that reminded me of Mark Andrews. I see someone like that. And I'm like, dude, you put him in this room right now. I know tight ends take a little bit you know, longer to, to develop or even like Kyle Pitts. You find a way to convince them to send them over for a second. It was a failed experiment. Atlanta bring him here. He would be the guy in that tight end room. They just bring a certain skill set that I just don't think Cole Komet is. Yeah, I, I went with a C. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I think C plus, I, I, you well, said I went, it's a little harsh. I, I, I went C plus just because I do think what Tanyan brings in the red zone is an upgrade from what they had last yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. But last year for me, they were like a D, a D plus just that's, because of Komet. That's fair. Because yeah. here's the thing. While Komet did improve last year, his numbers still weren't like anything mind-blowing you think of, he had like a really obviously a really good three-game stretch where he caught the touchdown versus the Cowboys the first one since like December of 2021 or some shit like that and it was like good lord and then he went on and he had those two nice games against the Dolphins and the Lions and 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 then he just kind of disappeared again he played really well against the Packers um and that was kind of it in an offense where again they're 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 playmakers were just dropping like flies now that dj Moore, you you look at the games that uh cole Komet really produced uh six targets against the dolphins seven targets versus the lions for as much as we're talking about the progress for justin fields one of the things that bears fans should not forget is that this offense is not going to just become an offense that throws the ball 40 to 50 times a game it's not going to happen they're, they're a run first offense that's how they're going to operate with DJ Moore, is is Cole Komet gonna get five to seven targets a game? I I don't know. He reminds me, as opposed to George Kittle, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, he reminds me more of like a Trey Burton type of tight end, like a guy who's a little bit smaller, but a guy who can really catch the football. I, I like Cole Komet. He does look for contact. But he goes down after the, you know, he, he kind of, he does make some nice plays. I'm not going to say he's not a good tight end. I think he's a good tight end, but they can upgrade at that position. Absolutely. I like Tanyan, but he's also coming back from an injury. Who knows what you're really going to get from him. So I'm not really counting too much on the depth there. Yep. Um, I just, I don't love this group as, as it currently stands. And I, I do think they could really get a good prospect in the third round like you were talking about or even even the second round i'm not gonna lie to you i i wouldn't be mad if the bears drafted one of those top three tight ends in in the second round except for mayor i'm I'm not a big fan of michael uh i know he was my ranked as my number one tight end but like i feel like he's just gonna be another notre dame tight end that's just in the league for 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 40 years you know yeah i mean you think about a really good fit because you know the identity right now is running the ball Darnell Washington pitching in as a little bit, a little bit of tackle play, not like actual, like the six man on the line is what I'm saying. And having him run some routes, you take advantage of his, you know, his physicality. I, that, that could be a phenomenal. Fa- I don't know if I would get him. I, he may even go in the first with how crazy his combines were, but he's available in the, and you know, with one of those seconds or potentially uh, definitely the third, the third, that's easy money for, for, for me. Um, Listen, especially if the bears trade back. Yeah. No, totally agreed. But yeah, I'm right there with you. It feels, it just feels very average to yes. me. Yeah. And I just, 
I, I look at Cole Komet as a good player who may have hit his ceiling. Yeah. That that said, we have always said, let's play the whole rookie contract yeah. out before you Absolutely. finally, but again, even like the flashes, you know what I mean? It's, we've seen some good stuff, but we haven't seen like an elite flash from Cole Komet. So to your point, like the, I think the biggest takeaway is you can upgrade that position. You, you, you can upgrade tight end. And if, even if you don't upgrade, you still need depth. And you know, you, you look at it granted, this is, an, an obvious outlier because he's one of the best players in football right now. But like you look at the, the, the leap that George Kittle made from his first year where he had 500 yards, two touchdowns only played in, in uh, 15 games, you know, played in 15 games, only started seven of them went from 63 targets to his second year where he played all 16 games, had 136 targets 1,300 yards, five touchdowns. Like, you want to talk about leap. Like, I'm not expecting almost 1,400 yards from Cole Komet, but, like, it doesn't always take that long. And granted, every player is different. But, like, do you see Cole Komet ever having that many yards, having that much attention in an offense? I just don't. Because we didn't see it last year, and there was nobody else to throw to, Frank. For a good period of time, there was nobody to throw well, to. And, and but seeing that that that's sort of plays into my DJ Moore counter argument, right? It's like you can't say that you you like not you. I mean, saying like, oh, well, DJ was the only one there. We've seen right. people in the situation when they're the only one there. We just saw it with Cole Komet. We had fucking. I mean, EQ was the wide receiver one for like the last four games. And they refused to play Claypool even when he was healthy. Like, and Nikhil Harry for some And Nikhil Harry. So it's like, and and he still wasn't involved. Like, the alpha dog receiver type is going to win or loss. He's going to make an impact. And it just, it didn't happen. And he, again, he just, he just looked too slow at times. There were just some I know. times I know. it's like he caught the ball and then you're like, run. And he just kind of like looked like he was stuck in the grass. Which, granted, may have just been Soldier Field. Who knows? Uh, Frank, let's uh, let's wrap this podcast up with talking about the uh, most, in our opinion, the most important position for this <laughs> upcoming season of Bears football in the offensive line. And uh, we'll just go from top to bottom, and then we'll give our grade here. Uh, left tackle is Braxton Jones. Cody Whitehair is your left guard. Lucas Patrick, Nate Davis is your right guard. Tevin Jenkins, right tackle. Uh, Larry Borum, you got Dieter Iceland, apologize if I'm pronounced that. Doug Kramer, uh, the six-round pick from last year. Uh, Jatir Carter, who somehow still made it on this team. I whatever. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, and then uh, Kellen Disk. Disk. Nice. Disk. I the fuck you say that. Sorry, Kellen. Um, but uh, yeah, um, Frank, this is a this was a tough one for me. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah. Um, there are certain elements I, I, I like. I really, I, I, I'm coming around more to Braxton Jones being your starting left tackle. There's some, I, I hope he improves on his weight, you know, in, in terms of dealing with those bull rushes, those power rushes. So a lot of issues with that. And I like the signing of Nate Davis at right guard. But outside of that, man, this, 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 this offensive line doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. I'm giving them a C plus right now, and I'm really hoping that they make a, a a good draft pick to replace that right tackle position, give them a little more flexibility. I gave them I gave them a B minus. So we're again we're in the same ballpark. I could even push it up to a B, and then we're looking at the same depth chart. And I think this one I, I know this one is off because Tevin Jenkins confirmed he's the left guard next year, and Cody White here sounds like Cody White here and Lucas Patrick are going to be battling for that center position. Um, the reason why mine's a little bit higher is I don't know how I don't know how much faith I have in Braxton Jones, but I will say I have this feeling because the way he was able to handle the different swim moves, just the different like what 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 do they call the defensive moves? Just the the more like savvy moves was really good. Like usually it's the opposite. Usually I can handle the strength at, at you know as a tackle in the NFL. It's like hand placement that gets me out of my zone and like pushes me around. And like, it's all the, like the, the veteran stuff that these defensive ends and outside linebackers are able to do. He seemed to handle that very well. I just, I, I, I with zero proof at all, I just have a feeling that 
a, a, another year of NFL strength and conditioning and working on your core strength and hopefully just squatting more, you know, helps with the bull rush thing. And maybe even like foot foot placement and positioning with that. Again, I'm no offensive line guru, but there's a lot to, you know, hearing from other people, there's a lot to clean up when it comes to those bull rushes. Um, but I have faith that that can, you know, he can get better with that. I think the biggest upgrade, and it's a, it's really a domino. It all stems with Nate Davis. You plug him in at right guard. We love what we hear about Nate Davis at right guard. He seems to fit what they want to do very well. Now, that's an upgrade in the interior because what you're doing is you're moving Tevin Jenkins to left guard. One of the things that, um, was it uh, Paris Johnson talked about this in an interview recently. He was like, they asked him, would you play guard? And he was like, absolutely. I'll play wherever anyone wants me to. And he said, as a matter of fact, if they play me at guard, I can play left or right. Cause it doesn't matter. It's it's not like tackle where it's a whole switch. It's a stance switch. You're, you know, your left foot's in, in back. If you're on the left side, your right foot, he's like, it's the same thing. There's no difference from left to right guard. It's the same stance. It's moving forward. You're memorizing the playbook. It's, you know, we just have to know what you're doing and, and how to create holes and such. Um, so that to me was like, I know what I have in Tevin Jenkins at guard. Then if, if there's no difference from right to left guard, which I think I sort of had a hunch anyway, but it's confirmed by someone who's a fucking elite, you know, uh, uh, um, an elite prospect. Like I know what I have there. The only thing is health concern. That's where right. that's where it drops that grade just a tad bit. Um, you know, from like a maybe a potential you know B B or a B plus instead of a B minus. Um, but if he can stay healthy, that grade shoots up to a B. I think immediately. No, you no one can guarantee that though, right? Um, the biggest hole for me, Jack, uh, because you know. Cody White here, the only knock that we ever had for him at center was his ability to snap the ball out of shotgun. It, it was just inconsistent. He would, he would just like roll it sometimes. Sometimes it would be too high. But his ability to block from the center position, this was a couple years ago now. So, you know, he's gotten older, was really fucking good. He made a Pro Bowl as a center one year. I think yep. it was an all, he, he was an alternate. But regardless, you have to be good to at least even get there. So, I that and that's a clear upgrade over what we had last year. I, I mean, that, that, so it's like, just the signing of Nate Davis upgrades so many other positions because you're shuffling that line around. I look to right tackle. And goddamn, Jack, that's where the hole, that's where the big hole, you're, if, you, if you can guarantee me they're drafting Paris Johnson, if you put Paris Johnson on this, this I probably catapulted even with the injury, to, you know, the, the injury worries of Whitehair and Jenkins, I catapult this to a B plus. Because wow. that to me is the biggest hole. And I like yeah. Paris Johnson a lot. I think, or, or Skaronsky, you give me either or. And I, I think you can have, because that, that's how big of a hole, that's how big, like, I think that, uh, or like weighted, I think that is, you know, in terms of a weakness on this offensive line. That said, they what they may also do, because I, I, I've heard some people look at Paris Johnson as a left tackle as well. Uh, Skaronsky, I've heard really all over. Guard, right tackle, left. But what they may do, because the one thing that they've been consistent on and that they've been, you know, uh, doing is, is, especially with the offensive line, is we're going to get the best five guys out there. Yep. They may do to um, Braxton Jones what they did to Larry Borum and draft a left tackle and put him at right. Now, that's no guarantee, but I, I would assume that's an upgrade over Larry Borum because he just was not good. He didn't take that that next step because he had a solid rookie year. It wasn't, I don't even think he had as good of a rookie year as Braxton did. Braxton had a better rookie year than Larry Borum did. But, you know, I think that would be an upgrade right there if they were to play someone else that left. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't even close. Right, right tackle is the big... It, it, I'll go ahead and say it's the biggest hole on the offense, to be honest with you, Jack. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's clear based off of uh, how Ryan Poles has been kind of stacking his free agency deck, if you will. Um, I would say... Right tackle, center, left guard, left tackle, right guard. Right guard is not a concern for me. Um, no. Left guard, I think they have locked down with Braxton Jones. And again, there were a lot of things I liked seeing from Braxton Jones. It was just that end of the year. You know, and, and granted, there may have been some some rookie fatigue that came through. It's a lot of games to be playing at, at the top, top level. Um, you know, they ran the ball a lot. You know, who, who's to say what his conditioning was like? Um Towards the end of the season, it was clear they weren't really playing for a whole lot. So who knows what if that had something to do with it. Um, I, I'm not really all that concerned about Braxton Jones, and it doesn't really seem like 
Ryan Poles is either because if he really wanted to, he could have signed anybody to come play left tackle and move Braxton Jones to right tackle. I think he just really likes Braxton Jones. I think, I think, you know, I, I think he really believes in him as a left tackle. We'll see if that sort of comes to pass. Um, but I completely agree with right tackle being a huge hole because you're right. You know, Tevin Jenkins basically confirming he's going to play left guard. Alex Leatherwood is basically your only right tackle alongside potentially Larry Borum. There yeah. is no doubt in my mind that the first pick they use will be on the right tackle. I, I just can't see them going any other direction unless there's just not a good player available whenever they end up picking. Um, but I agree. I think so. So with that being said, yeah, I, I, I can't go super high. I, I kind of like B minus range for, for sort of where they're at on the offensive line. Um, Cause again, there's elements I like, but who knows about Lucas Patrick, who knows about Cody Whitehair at center. They can't be any worse than what we saw last year with Mustafer. But really, I mean, there's just a lot of question marks there. So that's overall uh, our, our grades on the offensive side. I think an overall takeaway, Frank, is probably we're, we're both at around a B minus, B, a solid B for, for the offense in general. I think there are things we like. A lot of that goes through Fields and, and DJ Moore being potentially the, the two, you know potential superstars on the offense. Um, but I, I like some of the depth they have, uh, but not, I don't, I don't love any depth that they have overall. Yeah. So well, I think that's it, holding them back and we'll see what positions they add in the draft. I, no, totally agree. And I think again, like that sort of domino effect, you get Skaronsky, you get Paris Johnson, you get Broderick Jones, or you get Darnell Wright. And if they can come in and plug that right tackle immediately, Larry Borum immediately becomes an awesome swing tackle. He becomes more depth for the interior. You have you also have whoever loses that center battle between White here and uh, why am I blanking on uh, the, the guy they signed last year? That's supposed to be the center. Um, uh, um, Lucas Patrick. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And whoever loses that is also interior depth. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's like you're you're one player away from having this domino effect of solid depth. And the same way that DJ Moore pushed everyone else down to probably their proper spot on a depth chart. They're, they're one right tackle or potential left tackle if you, you you switch Braxton to the right away from really upgrading that whole position group. Um, and I'm right there with you, but I just, God damn, dude, I've had two dreams that Ryan Poles drafted a cornerback at nine. Stop. <laughs> I, I've, I, I don't like it. I, I wake up angry. This isn't good. The draft just needs to get here. So my mind is at ease. I know, I know. Uh, it's something that we're 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 going to be talking about, um, you know, in in terms of of positions that we hope that the that the Bears draft. But um, my my ideal draft right now would be like Paris Johnson at nine. I'm not, and this is not counting if they trade back. Going with like I don't know, like Zay Flowers or 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 you know Marvin Mims or. Um, Jalen Hyatt in the second round with their earlier second round pick and then just getting like Dalton Kincaid at the tight end spot in, in the second round as well with that second pick they have um, or, or Darnell Washington, one of those two. And Because, again, it, it, it's sort of what you talked about, Frank, in, you know, when we were doing draft grades for the, or, or ranking the, the prospects. Just want to see them build around this, this offense. Like, the, it's a new age in the NFL Granted, you got to stop people on defense, but I, I really would not mind if the Bears just, if, if Ryan Poles just pushed the fucking gas pedal down yep. and just went all in on the offense. Because, I mean, you think about those three players, you think about the depth that gives your team and, and potentially some of the best prospects on the offensive side. I, I, I wouldn't be mad about that. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I wouldn't hate, I would actually love if the Bears became the Lions, not of last year, but the year before. Every fucking game is in the 40s because your defense sucks. You're still losing a lot. So maybe you're you're five, six, maybe seven win team, depending on, you know, if you can win some shootouts. But again, we're not expecting to be Super Bowl contenders this next year. What we're expecting is to continue to build around the most important position in all of team sports, and which is quarterback. And to allow him to show you that to continue to show you that he's ascending and he's that guy. And then you and, you know, once you have pieces in place on the offensive side of the football is when you really 
you know, you get that, that pass rusher, you get that interior guy that fits your defense. Like if we get that now, great. But I, that that's what, what has great defense done for this city? We've had great defenses before here in Chicago. That's not the way you win. Like, like we, I, I want it to be built eventually, but the priority has to be with the caveat of we're not winning a Super Bowl next year. It has to be building a modern offense to, to continue to build a modern offense is what I should say. I completely agree. And uh, next week we will be talking a little bit more about the defense and uh, given our draft grades or not draft grades, our overall grades for the defense where it sits right now. Granted, a lot of the draft can change you know, a lot of these positions, um, but uh, we'll definitely get into that a little more next week. Keep an eye out for any more Bears news. If you know something potentially crazy happens, like a trade down, um, you know we'll see what 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 happens there. Uh, but it's an exciting time, man. The, the draft is almost here. I, I feel like the draft needs a little gas to it right now because I mean this is kind of like the, the the draft that sort of just kind of like. It, I was just talking about this the other day where it's like C.J. Stroud and 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 and. Uh, and and Bryce Young kind of just keep going back and forth as the favorite to go number one overall. And it's just weird to me because, like, usually around this time, you have a good feel for, like, what quarterback is going to go number one, whether yeah. it's, you know, Jameis Winston or, or, or Mariota or, you know, Andrew Luck or, or Robert Griffin III or, you know, any number of those wide receivers. This kind of almost feels like, like it could be anyone, which is just such a weird thing, especially a couple weeks before the draft. So um, it could be a very fun draft. I'm hoping the Bears make a lot of good decisions and uh, ones that don't have Frank, you know, dreaming about it and crying at night, uh, texting me about it at 4.30 a.m. saying we drafted Christian Hernandez. Waking up in a cold fucking sweat. Cold fucking sweat. Um, But uh, we, we appreciate you guys listening as always. This has been the Bear With Us podcast. I'm Jack. He's Frank. We will talk to you guys next week. We appreciate you listening. Later, Jackie. Later, everybody. Everybody love everybody!